Hello and welcome. My name is Robert. And I'm Foster. And this is the Also See Podcast, where we take an actor or a director from an upcoming release, and we talk about one of their older movies that may not be as well known. Uh, this week, we're basing our topic off of the, definitely the biggest movie release of the week, which uh, is Boys of the Boat. It's not The Color Purple, not Ferrari. We're talking about The Boys in the Boat, directed by George Clooney. You've seen his acting chops in the Oceans trilogy, Up in the Air, Oh Brother, Where Art Thou, and Batman and Robin. I'm sure you've heard lots of people talk about them in real life and on podcasts like this one. But Clooney's also a director with movies like Confessions of a Dangerous Mind and The Ides of March to his name. On top of all of that, though, he directed a twice Oscar-nominated movie called Good Night and Good Luck. And that is what we're here uh, to talk about. And to talk about this movie, we wouldn't have... We wouldn't rather have anyone else than our buddy, Jake Bourgeois, who recommended that we cover this movie and who is a journalist himself, right? Uh, yes, not quite on that level. Just a small newspaper in Iowa. But technically speaking, I guess that's correct. Yeah. Hello. Thanks for, thanks for taking the suggestion. To be fair, sure. when I made it, I thought there was going to be a lot more competition than when I went through the rest of his directorial <laughs> efforts, and there's really not a ton that's critically allotted, but uh, still glad uh, to be on and to talk about it. Yeah, I've only seen The Eyes of March besides this one, and I thought it was solid, but I don't think the rest has... Uh very good reputations. I, I frankly fell asleep during the Monuments Men and never went back to it. So that should tell you about <laughs> as much as you want to know. Um, good night and good luck. Broadcast journalist Edward R. Murrow looks to bring down Senator Joseph McCarthy. Jake, I'm going to go back to you to start us off. Why did you suggest this movie? What about it do you like so much? Um, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's weird because uh, I don't think... I think I saw this in like an AP government class my senior year of high school. Um, so it had been over a decade, I think, since I'd probably seen it myself. Okay. Uh, but I just remember it standing out as like really good for the messaging and the direction and performances and it it just seemed like it's one of those movies that sort of feels very timely despite the fact it's almost 20 years old now right foster had you seen this before no this is my first time it's been on the list forever though yeah what'd you think uh i liked it um so i i think uh it's it is you said in your letterbox review i think something like it's surprising how well directed it is given george clooney's reputation as a right. director is yeah. making an, a lot of just kind of eh sort of movies um but this is super stylish everybody's great in it it's got a pretty big cast um yeah i thought it was i thought it was really good before i give my thoughts i my prediction is that you were going to come out here and say that you really love the david strathairn uh, david strathairn performance because I don't know what it is about it, but it seems like one that you would latch on to and, and go crazy. What'd you think of it? Um, yeah. <laughs> yep. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> that is far and away my favorite thing about the movie. I thought he was incredible. <laughs> yeah. I'm curious, what, what makes you say that? I mean, you're, you're dead on, but... Normally, I don't know, when you talk about a movie that you don't necessarily love as a whole, but has 
a performance that um, is so singular, so dedicated. It's not necessarily transformative, but he's just like there committed the whole time to doing what he's doing. And he never wavers for a second that that tends to be the kind that I hear you praise. Yeah, I, I thought he was amazing. I love him in this. Yeah, I'm not faulting you at all. I could just tell um, because I also really like this movie for the most part. Um, I don't know, since it was about McCarthy, that was the one thing I knew about it going in, Jake, when you recommended it. Um, I looked at the synopsis. I was like, oh, that's an interesting topic. I, I really want to watch this now. Um, it was a lot less about the content of, you know, communism and what he was going after in the first place and more about people's rights to disagree um, and people's rights to speak their mind. At least that's how I saw it. The one um, line that really stood out to me that I also put in my letterbox review was in one of Murrow's broadcasts, which was, we must not confuse dissent with disloyalty. And that seemed to be the, you know, the thesis of the movie where just like let people disagree, let people have their own thoughts and opinions again, as long as they're not, you know, out there actively being treasonous or, or doing things against their fellow people or, or their government. Something about that felt a little bit too safe to me, that it was just First Amendment instead of communist base, because that's what Joseph McCarthy's whole thing was, that he's attacking people uh, who he thought were communists or who he, you know, was kind of pegging to get out of the government because of uh, a red scare. Um, I, I first learned about the McCarthyism stuff in an English class when we talked about in high school when we talked about um, the crucible because it was just people making baseless accusations. So I was expecting it to get a little bit more into that. So I guess this is on my expectations. So for what it is, I think it was very well done and I'll hand, hand over the floor now. <laughs> Um, yeah, I, I, I can sort of get where you're coming from, because uh, I loved like 90% of this movie, but there were a few things that sort of um, bugged me a little bit. And I think mm -hmm. one of the things you're getting at, it does have sort of that text at the beginning after sort of the, the cold open speech. Right. Um, it does have that text in the beginning that gives you a little bit of the backstory, but it just sort of throws you into things and doesn't really do much explaining of context or anything like that. I think you're sort right. of expected to know a little bit about what's going on and it doesn't really hold you. And I could see sort of as I was watching through, um, and I actually watched this a couple times uh, this week mm -hmm. um, and I'll get into that maybe a little bit later, but um, it doesn't, there, there feels like it could have, it's 92 minutes and it feels like it, it's one of those movies that could have been a tick better if it was maybe a hundred minutes, just a little yeah. extra time for a little more ground laying or context or a couple other scenes. And I think this, that would have boosted things a little bit more. So I get that because it's very much about the fall of McCarthy. Right. Um, not as much about 
sort of Mac McCarthyism as a whole. You sort of get a little snapshot of late-age McCarthyism. Uh, for me, the my only real negative, and it's not even that strong a negative, it's just I love so many individual scenes in the movie, but I didn't feel like there was a super strong through line between all of them. Obviously, they're thematically linked because of the McCarthyism and just like it is what happened. But um, the movie that kept coming to mind was Frost Nixon, which is a similar vibe, like journalism movie. We're like interviewing this guy and we're trying to like, you know, get some stuff to come to light. But to me, that movie, um, you can debate which one's better, but has like a strong like arc through it where you're looking forward to this sequence of three interviews to happen and you know something is about to come out of that third interview when they bring up Watergate and all that. Mm -hmm. um, when I was watching Good Night and Good Luck, I was like, this is a great scene. I'm loving this, but I'm not really like looking forward to any sort of specific thing happening in the future of this movie. I don't really know what I'm expecting to get out of it, aside from, I suppose, that interview that Morrow does with McCarthy is, I think, probably the big moment of the movie but um i don't know does is that it make an sense? interview he sends in a tape right oh i'm sorry not an interview yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. okay it's it's more a response to what yeah. mccarthy uh himself says and one of the things sort of that was one of my other negatives is if you're talking about sort of feeling disconnected is I didn't remember this part and I was trying to think maybe we sort of skipped this part in AP Gov class to try to get through it in two, <laughs> in two class periods, you know, but like the jazz interludes, as you say, are this are that sort of thing that sort of breaks it up? Now I did, you know, I don't know how much you want to take IMDb trivia for fact because you know, <laughs> anything can do it. But I know somebody said, you know, the interlude break in at twenty three minutes, the length of a show, which I mean, I guess is a little clever, but it yeah. does. I think to your point, sort of break things up a little bit, and I think that's probably to uh to the movie's detriment foster did you catch that there jake said ap government uh we went to college he took ap classes we got a lot of scholars on this podcast just, just oh. saying oh okay <laughs> <laughs> are you are you saying you two are more scholarly than me or are we saying we're all united in our scholarliness i'm saying we're all united we we okay, called good. back to this a couple times or i called back to a previous episode where we were talking about how we both went to college. Oh, um, exactly. Very yeah. nice. I was just wondering whether or not I should be offended. <laughs> I have I to. Know. I have to check every time you open your mouth. <laughs> I too also went to college, so. Oh, oh congrats. look at this guy. <laughs> um, yeah. On the topic of the focus of the movie, I think that close or going back to the speech, which bookends the movie. Um, I think coming back to it at the end does a whole lot of work um, because he just kind of spells out the movie's themes there where it's about uh, TV should be informative and we shouldn't just have bread and circuses, you know, is in effect what he's saying. People need to be more curious and we need to, you know, be aware of what's going on in our country because it's important. And that's all good. Like, I don't disagree but as for the movie, I'm just wanting it to have sprinkled that all in throughout. Um, 
and maybe spent less time on Patricia Clarkson and RDJ's hidden marriage and stuff like that. I'm trying to figure out how all of it fits together when it has these big declarations at the end. Did you think it wasn't sprinkling it out in throughout then? Because that's, it... that's basically the whole fight he has. Right. Sort of with the brass. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's what that all is. And, you know, his fight with McCarthy getting him to have to do more of the face-to-face interviews that he doesn't, that you can tell he doesn't really care about because he'd rather be doing the, the hard-hitting news rather than sure. you know, these vapid interviews. So I guess the way I should put it then is less that it, I wanted it to be more sprinkled in, but just that it, I don't know, it feels like it's trying to dumb it down for you by putting that at the end um when it i i just like when movies trust the audience to figure out what's going on instead of at the end getting a whole speech of this is the movie's theme um because that's kind of what i felt in this um and if it had hit those points harder throughout the movie and like i said kind of gotten less lost in the weeds um and maybe had a more focused point kind of like you're saying foster then maybe it would have just felt more strong overall. Um, I'll pivot slightly and just throw one of my positives out here. I think this movie uses real world footage better than a lot of other historical dramas that I've seen. And I really, really loved that actually like them using the actual McCarthy clips. I feel Mm -hmm. like it gave the movie a lot of like, um, like heft and weight to it. When, when you come to that, that scene where McCarthy responds to Moro, um, it just feels tense because you're like, Oh my gosh, this was real. (laughs) And I, I think it, I don't know, it was just a unique way of presenting the movie that I've not seen done in quite this way before, or at least to this extent, like the amount of footage that they used. Going off that, how much of, do you think that might be the reason why the rest of the movie is in black and white? Because I was trying to figure out why it's black and white. That was going to be um, sort of where I was going to jump off. Mm-hmm. Because anytime, I think the archive footage is good for two reasons. First of all, once you figure out you're using the archive footage, because every time somebody does something in black and white, like for a modern movie, the question obviously has to be asked, why are you doing this? Are you just doing this to be like, oh, look at us. We made it. We don't need color. We made a movie (laughs) in black and white. And I think the archive footage gives you a reason um, to do that because while well, obviously the the newer footage is a lot cleaner than the archive footage is it helps it be a little more seamless when you transition to whether it's that interview with well not interview speech by McCarthy response by McCarthy or utilizing the hearing footage it makes sense that everything's in black and white and um I think that's important because I think one of the best decisions this movie made was not, we've talked about the cast. I think the best casting decision was not casting Joseph McCarthy. You have to worry about, does this guy sound like him? Are you distracted by, you know, some McCarthy lookalike? You're not, because it's him. They got him to be himself. And I think that's a genius move uh, by Clooney and the rest of the producers. Because I think that's 
the perfect choice. Like uh, Murrow, you're just using his own words. You're not bringing right. somebody in to be McCarthy. You're using his own words against him. Yeah, and as for the black and white on top of it, just kind of matching the archival footage, it also like looks great. Like the opening shot or one of those opening shots when Murrow is being is waiting to be introduced by um, Jeff Daniels, whatever, whoever he played in the movie. And you get, kind of get that side silhouette profile while he's smoking and the way the smoke goes up in the black and white. It just it looks amazing. Um, and you have to light and stage things differently when you're shooting in black and white. And that's all done really well. And the lighting is great. You know, all. Yeah, I just I liked how it looked. Um, they do a really good job of production design and period accuracy and making it feel like the 50s. And like you said, matching the that archive footage. Any particular cast members stand out to all of you? Uh, like you said, Stuart Theron's great. He's excellent. Um, it's great. Like, he's always a supporting character. So, like, the fact that, A, he gets to take sort of center stage, and I think he was nominated in this, because I, yeah. I think it got multiple Oscars. And six. Yeah. I said two earlier, it's six, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's an incredible performance. Um, but um, one of the supporting performances that was just interesting to me not because it's great uh necessarily it's it's really good it's but um this is 2005 and the robert downey jr performance comes off as like what we would now consider as like sort of a vintage quote-unquote robert downey jr performance but this is before we know what that's it, that is. This is three years before he's Iron Man. So I just thought that was an interesting performance to know. I also didn't even know he was in this going into it. Um, and I feel like he has a look before Iron Man and then a look after Iron Man. It kind of feels like he kind of got stuck in time while he was playing Iron Man because he didn't do much else during that time where you look at him and like kiss kiss bang bang and good night and good luck and he looks a certain way and then he looks a certain way as iron man for 10 years and all of a sudden you see him in oppenheimer and all of a sudden he's old um that's not necessarily a comment on the movie but like you said it's only three years before this but he looks so young it's yeah it's not a super deep observation but one i was definitely thinking about and he's great in this you know he isn't necessarily smarmy like he is in kiss kiss bang bang or uh you know any post iron man roles or anything like that or even zodiac um he's really good Mm -hmm. i thought um i thought clooney was pretty good and i didn't think he like took too much of the limelight either because like obviously he directed the movie so like you run the risk of like um you know giving yourself too much to do but i felt like like if you didn't know clooney directed it i don't think he would stand out in in any negative way at all also he's just a great actor wonder why he's in that spot in the first place because it's so small sure yeah yeah i mean i mean it's kind of like a humble role to take on i suppose Uh like but uh he's he's so good in this era like you were rattling off some of the movies he's in at the start of the show like up in the air and oh brother where art thou he is amazing and has like a much bigger range and michael clayton's another great one 
much bigger range than people give him credit for. And Burn after reading. I, yeah, uh, I I haven't. I, I don't think he's done like much interesting in the past five or so years. And I, I feel like he's still kind of in like the prime of his life and could be cranking out some really interesting performances. If, if he would like take on more interesting projects than like the midnight sky or whatever it is he wants to be doing, you know, have you seen the film, uh, the flash? <laughs> i stand corrected <laughs> that's a better joke than my you didn't think ticket to paradise was interesting but no um but you're right hail caesar was in 2016 and he's done yeah money monster midnight sky and then ticket to paradise and flash since then and hail caesar he's great in that and so i hadn't even thought about that but you're right and yeah. even before then, it was like Tomorrowland, Monuments Men, uh, Gravity, which he's kind of barely in. And then mm-hmm. The Descendants was in 2011. I think that's the last like big George Clooney vehicle where he's like really, like really great um, from what I've seen, at least. I don't know. The kind of a shame. Too, yeah, the yeah. man's just too busy cranking out his tequila. Right. Um, <laughs> well, one thing I wanted to point out, which I think highlights how much this is on uh, Straight Theron's shoulders, is um, you mentioned Clooney's not in a ton of it, which I guess is technically true, but like if you had to rank the performances, he's probably the second performance out of of, the second meatiest performance, so um, I just think that's interesting. We're showing how much um, Straight Aaron has to put on his shoulders uh, for yeah. this. Which he, like I said, he doesn't get to do very often. So. I also didn't realize that Tom McCarthy was also an actor. Uh, so it kind of feels like <laughs> Good Night and Good Luck walked as a, performer, a performance so that Spotlight could sprint as a directorial endeavor because, you know, you take journalistic movies about important topics and Who is he? Th- this movie's good and but spotlights head and shoulders above it tom mccarthy he shows up just a he's one of those guys that's always with uh rdj and you know oh he's the, part of the, the meeting rooms. reporting crew okay yeah yeah because that's that's the other thing about this movie this is a fun um movie for imdb rabbit holes if you're into right. that sort of thing because like uh simon helberg from the big bang theory is just the guy who stops the calls from coming in and then has Uh to re-up the phones after the big monologue that's literally all he does in this room simon helberg the rabbi from a serious man is how i like to think of him Uh, uh i love that uh simon helberg from annette thank you from annette yes that that was the second one that was that came to mind he's which that movie doesn't completely do it for me but he's so good he's my favorite thing about that his like conducting scene is like the best scene in the movie i think any scene in my (laughs) any scene that doesn't feature baby annette is the best scene in the movie um (laughs) there's one other one other performance i do want to single out i mean just to i mean there's a lot of great people like jeff daniels franklin jella patricia clarkson but um uh, Ray Wise, I think he plays like Hollenbeck or something like that. He's the one who um, eventually commits suicide because of the mm. like O'Brien article that calls him a pinko or whatever. Um, I thought his performance when Patricia Clarkson was reading out the articles was really, really incredible. And like just his 
facial reactions like the you can tell it's bothering him but then he's also trying to put on a face that it's not bothering him it's like it struck me even before you knew where that was going and then um it holds on him for a while too it's a haunting performance it really is i thought that was like one of the best moments of the movie for me was her reading out those articles um i think this would make a good pairing with oppenheimer maybe that's just because oppenheimer's on my mind uh, but of course, it's got the communism stuff, and I think they even mention Oppenheimer at one point in the movie. I think he's up next to, for a person to person, right? Um, yeah, I I noticed that too. Yeah, I I think so. He's got a similar style, talky, black and white. Yeah. Also, I think um, part of what so why I do love the David Strathairn performance and why I uh-huh. like performances like that. I so first of all, I'm just like an acting person. That's my favorite thing about movies. And I really like lock into performances that I love. And I love just like analyzing. Um, I really love character actors who are like the background people who don't get a lot of, you know, talk. Um, and that's why you love Michael Pena and Moonfall. Exactly. I mean, it's, (laughs) it's incredible movie, incredible performance. And I mean, it was robbed. I mean, no other way to say it. Uh, but like, um, no, like people like like Brad Dourif is like one of my favorite actors. My, my favorite actor is Gary Oldman, just because he's like the chameleon who's like in small roles everywhere all the time and like kills it and is unrecognizable. Get that um, crybaby out of here. <laughs> so I just think like giving actors like this a spotlight is the coolest thing in the world. And that's exactly what Killian Murphy is in Oppenheimer. No, like, I mean, he's had some leading roles, but like... Um, like his biggest is probably Peaky Blinders, like the one he's most known for recently, but it's the same kind of thing. Yeah. So it is a good pairing for that reason as well. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I'm all out of things to say. Uh, just one more thing. Uh, I know we moved on it pretty, moved on from it pretty quickly because we were talking about sort of other things within that. But um I know you had some issues with the speech, Robert, sort of as a framing <laughs> device. But um, for me, because, you know, as I was sort of trying to figure out, okay, where can I watch this movie? Where can I find it? And I found it. And just to see what it looked like, I just sort of fired it up for the first few minutes. And watching the first few minutes and the speech from uh, Murrow makes to start off at the banquet like it felt so timely um, and something you could fast forward you know about news media in 2016 and sort of these national shows which is what Murrow is on Yeah, um, just sort of struck me so much that you know later that night I finished the movie and then watched it again the next day <laughs> I, I think just sort of the the thesis of this movie that it lays out um, at the start about sort of news versus entertainment and, you know, some of the other messages about sort of, oh, uh, we have to present both sides. Every issue has a both sides to it, which we've gotten back into over the last few years. Uh, Maybe it's just me, like you said, as a, somebody who's sort of nominally in the newspaper business. Um, those sort of themes 
and exploring that type of story just really struck a chord with me. And I think that part of the movie and sort of the what Moore's doing in the speech and his pieces sort of really struck me um, in that way. And it's why I love those sort of sections of the movie. Yeah, I, I don't dislike the themes. I like the ideas that are in the movie. I, it's just a small me thing, I think, just the nitpick that I don't like being directly told in an otherwise just kind of, you know, it's already the text that they're arguing and discussing <laughs> these things. So then to, to, just to have the speech kind of makes it a little bit too on the nose for me, but I yeah. do like everything else about it. Yeah, it, it just, I guess for me, it just worked as something like, oh, that's, that's just, I know he's talking about, you know, McCarthyism and the 50s, but, you know, fast forward 60 years, and it sounds eerily similar to somebody else. Right. And it's, it, it, it didn't annoy me as much as just sort of immediately hook me in and get me invested. So. Nice. Let's move on to our grid. At moviegrid.io. Well Buster, what do we got? Robert. <laughs> okay. Uh, our column headers today are Ana de Armas, one word titles, ignoring the, which seems to be like the favorite category. I feel like that's on every time we record. Yeah. And released from 2000 to 2023, our row headers on the side are Miles Teller, Harrison Ford, and Daniel Craig. All right. Oh, boy. And we are back. Let's go through our results quickly. Uh, by the sounds of it, I did the best. <laughs> and I didn't even do that great compared to what I normally do. I got My score was 2287, which is top 13% of players. I like being in the top uh, you know, single-digit percentage. But, oh well. Can't all be winners. What did you get, Foster? <laughs> <laughs> My gosh. You done gloating yet? Um <laughs> Okay, you normally got, beat me, so... I know. Uh, tw- I, I Thank you for admitting that. <laughs> 21... It's literally fact. Just listen to the other episodes. I, I, I don't even... We should keep We should keep score. We should tally it up. I might do that. Okay. Uh, okay. Just to just so I can gloat a little bit more. 21-24. I'm in the top 29.7% of players today. I didn't come in third. Let's go! <laughs> uh, 22 22- 15, 23.7% of players. So you you topped me by like 70 points. Right? And Jake, you got eight, right? Yes. Foster, did you miss any? Yeah, I missed one. Oh, okay. Let's go through these then. Ana de Armas, uh, Miles Teller, there's only one, and it's War Dogs. Did you guys both get it? That's nope. my miss. That's your miss. Okay. Uh, that, was that was the first I, time I, I saw it. I oh, would have been here all day. Never would have gotten that. Miles Teller, one word. I did not get I, creative. Me neither. <laughs> Whiplash. Yeah. I went Allegiant, which was oh. 2.5%. Because I think all three of those are one word titles. So I went with the one I thought left. You said 2.5? 2.5%. Man, that's good. He was also in Spiderhead, which I kind of liked last year. I'm just checking his IMDb. Um, I liked it too. Yeah, yeah, it was good. Uh, I'm proud of my 2023 Miles Teller, and it's Two Night Sand, 
which stars him and Annalie Tipton, which is the daughter in Crazy Stupid Love. They get snowed in together and <laughs> they don't know each other because it's their first date or something like that. And it's my perfect three star rom com. What percent was that? Uh, 2.2. Ooh, uh, I got 1.3% oh, with, on, with only the brave, which I thought would be higher, but yeah, um, I guess it's just popular like in our, in our little circles, but more broadly, not so much. Sure. I got uh, 0.6%. Oh my gosh. And oh. I thought I did good. <laughs> Thank you for your service, which is really good. It's uh, Miles Teller with PTSD. See, when Foster said only the brave, I initially confused it with thank you for your service. So you guys both did like the, <laughs> you know, the pillars of America, the firefighters and the military. Well, they're um, just like the, those like generic titles that could mean anything, you know? Right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Tell you nothing about the movie. Um, For 99.7%, Harrison Ford and Ana de Armas, I did Blade Runner 2049. And I'm assuming you of guys course. did the same. Yep. Yeah. I double-checked IMDb collaboration search. They were both in Being James Bond, the Daniel Craig story from 2021. <laughs> Who knew Harrison Ford was in that? Why is Harrison Ford in that? Exactly, right, why is Harrison Ford in that? No idea. I've never seen it. Uh, Harrison Ford, one word. What did you guys have? Uh, this was my most disappointing entry because I thought less people would guess this. Mm. Uh, but I had witness for 24.5%. Me too. That, me too. Oh. <laughs> we, I, I was disappointed too. I was so frustrated. I think we've <laughs> illustrated why it has 245 <laughs> Right. Because everybody thinks they're smart by doing it. And so they bumped up the percent. It's also the only one I could think of. Like... I guess the, the fugitive, fugitive counts because of the forty-two. Um, forty-two paranoia. Yeah. My my better answer went into the the next category. I think. All right, we'll Harrison see. Ford, two thousand and twenty twenty-three. What'd you put? Uh, a movie. I think my family and I were the only ones to see in theater. Uh, Firewall for one point three. That could have been one word title too. I have seen that movie. Not in theaters, but kind of random movie. <laughs> Never even heard of it. There's just like nothing to say about it. It's just yeah. like <laughs> what you put? Just is. Oh. <laughs> I, I I put Call of the Wild, two point nine percent. Oh my gosh, I would would have thought that would be more. I guess everyone's doing him coming back to all of his franchises for that. Uh, I put Morning Glory for three point three, which is another news related movie, and it's pretty fun. I don't know, not, not much to say. Uh, <laughs> Daniel Craig, Ana de Armas. I think there are two options for this, right? Unless yeah. there's another. Oh, that's probably also being James Bond would count for this if she's interviewed for it. Okay, I feel better about my percentage then. Because if there's two options, I picked the right one. Did you do No Time to Die? No Time to Die for 44.4%. Same here. Same here. Uh, Daniel Craig, one word. I put Skyfall because I couldn't think of anything else. I couldn't remember if he was in Munich or not, one of the few Spielberg movies I haven't seen. He so is. that was the one I was disappointed at, disappointed with myself afterwards. Yeah. I put Spectre. Ooh, what, what was that percentage? 27.9. Okay, Skyfall was 54.2. 
And I did Defiance, uh, 7.5%. So. I've not seen much Daniel Craig, so that's another one I'd never heard of until four seconds ago. <laughs> yeah, it's it's decent. Yeah, it's him and I think Liev Schreiber. Uh, some Russian rebellion movie, I think. As, um, as you would. It's been yeah. a while, yeah. And lastly, Daniel Craig, 2000 to 2023. I, like I said, I couldn't get too creative. So I put Logan Lucky, which did surprise me at 10.2. I guess everyone's putting uh, his Knives Out character in James Bond. I put Munich in this category, 1.1%. Nice. Nice. Uh, this is where I missed my guess, but like I said, I wasn't going to get Anna Darmus and Miles Teller. I thought he was in Child 44. Apparently he's not. Uh, so on, on, on second guess, I went Quantum of Solace, which only had 4.5%. Uh, the most popular one, now I'm just wondering. My phone isn't working. Glass Onion. It was oh glass onion okay yeah thank you Foster which one You're did welcome. you say you missed War Dogs for Anna Darmus Miles Teller oh you didn't get that either I've never seen that movie I had no idea she was oh. in it okay well I'm very glad that you missed it because it sounds like that might have been the deciding pick because of some of your percentages compared to mine I think so well that was fun thank you for listening. <laughs> The most neutral tone. Well, that was fun. (laughs) You want me to do my NPR voice the rest of the time? I would actually really like that. Please. (laughs) (laughs) It's on brand. You have to do it. This is a news podcast. Right. Yep. Thank you for listening. I suppose I had a fun time. You can follow us on Letterboxd at Robert's Thoughts and at FOSTH 101. Jake, where can people follow you? Uh... Letterbox is J-B-O-U-R-G-E-O-I-S. Thank you. And if you're enjoying you're the show, so welcome. please let us know if you're enjoying the show. Like, rate, subscribe, comment, share. Do whatever you might do for podcasts to help us get more listeners. <laughs> Next week, with the release of Society of the Snow, we're going to be talking about A Monster Calls. <laughs> Directed by J.A. Bayona. So until then, good night and good luck.